are we are we are the nonprofit collective podcast bringing together voices to explore and inspire the nonprofit world Hi, and welcome to the first episode of the Nonprofit Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Williams. And my name's Ana Sofia Hernandez. I'll be your guest co-host for this episode. So when we were putting the first few episodes of this podcast together, we were speaking to the most incredible, interesting people in the nonprofit world and realized that we really wanted to bring all these voices together in one room and just share our experiences. So today we are presenting to you this panel discussion. We have four professionals who are working in the nonprofit space, all with very different backgrounds and experiences. One little note, this episode was recorded in an office space in New York City, so you're going to hear a lot of taxi horns and sirens, but it'll make you feel like you're right in the room with us. So enjoy and welcome. everyone. We're so excited today to talk through a panel of really interesting and dynamic young professionals in the nonprofit space. Everyone's voices that you'll hear today work currently in nonprofit, but in very differing roles and differing um, missions of organizations. So we're going to dive in, learn a little bit about each of our panelists, who they are, how they got into the nonprofit world, and just kind of see where our conversation takes us. So Hollis, I'll start with you if you want to introduce yourself, where you're at, and what brought you into the nonprofit space. Sure. Thanks, Brianna. So I'm Hollis Heath, and um, I manage team programs for a girls' empowerment organization. Um, that's uh, I work here in the city, but it's a national organization. I got into nonprofit work uh, really starting as a teaching artist. My background is in theater. I was on tour, and then there was like... The economy did a weird thing and so I went back to grad school because I was like okay I'll become a theater teacher but realized I had no interest in teaching kids how to put on Annie um, but I did <laughs> like but I did really enjoy the skills I thought the theater techniques that I was learning actually opened the door to have conversations with young women about their confidence and their dreams and who they wanted to be on the planet and so I started pursuing work like that that's how I landed where I am now Great. John, do you want to go next? Sure. I'm John DiCarvalho, and I direct the policy and advocacy for a national children's health organization. Um, and I got into this specific job through, uh, I was working for a political consulting firm here in New York City during uh, national, state, and city level campaigns. This was a client of ours. I came over for a project, loved the mission, loved sort of what they were doing, loved the platform, uh, the leadership and uh, decided to stay on. It sort of aligned with many things in my life, my passion, sort of my background, the kind of work I wanted to go into, um, and here I am today. My name is Victoria Shadle. I work in fundraising at a large education and social services nonprofit, but this is actually the first time I'm in this space. I started out in the dance world, so similar to Hollis, and I studied dance growing up and through college, and then I had my first arts administration internship. I was like, wait, this is really nice. I'm like not on stage, but I'm still involved. I really love the people, and then the more I learned about arts administration, the more I learned about nonprofit management, and now I'm crazy about the nonprofit world. Um, in addition to my work and my day job, I also am going to graduate school for nonprofit management at Columbia University, and I'm super involved in the space there, and I have a bunch of side projects, and I'm just 
all around the nonprofit world. Wow, all these stories, so interesting. I can't wait to just hear more about everything that you guys are doing and where you guys came from because it sounds really cool. So my name is Amaris White. I am the Director of Volunteer Coordination and Outreach at Catholic Charities in New York. And Catholic Charities is a large human services organization in New York and also a federation of 90 different agencies or nonprofits that all do charitable work in the New York area. So it's been really great, but I also had a little bit of an unusual route to get here. So I actually used to be a corporate lawyer on Wall Street, a block away from where we're doing this taping. Uh, and uh, I was, uh, you know, I did the typical path of law school, work at a big firm. Um, I was in-house counsel at a bank for a little bit. And I went to law school originally to kind of have some sort of larger social impact. And so once I had gotten a chance to pay off my loans, I got a good experience in the private sector. I decided that I wanted to do something else. And so I quit my job. I went backpacking around the world, uh, sort of with no game plan other than knowing that I wanted to do something that was giving back to the community. And I came back a little bit over half a year later and uh, started looking and trying to learn more about this world that we're discussing on the Nonprofit Collective podcast. And I got very lucky and uh, you know was able to get a job at Catholic Charities and it's been great. I've learned a lot. I'm still learning a lot. I love that we have such diverse backgrounds and points of view and everything. So it's amazing. I would love to hear what would you say is the most rewarding aspect of working in the nonprofit sector? What keeps you going every day? Why do you come back to the office? What makes it's so important to feel for the mission and, and get your work done. I can answer that since I get asked that all the time. I mean, I come from a world where I was working less than I am now, and I was making about three times as much money as I'm making now. So people often ask me, you know, what is it that, you know, keeps you fulfilled? And I really care about the work that we're doing, and I feel very passionate about it. And the thing that gets me into the office every single day is knowing that what we're doing is really making an impact on people's lives. And I've been very fortunate in my life to have a lot of different opportunities, and not everyone has those opportunities. And I think that if you're fortunate in your life, it's important to try and help those who maybe haven't had the same chances. And that's something that I see at work every single day is we really do help people who otherwise would kind of fall in the cracks, like vulnerable New Yorkers that you know, otherwise might not have the same chances that probably a lot of us in this room have been offered. And so I think that's what makes the biggest difference. If you go into work and you know that what you're doing makes a difference, it's a lot easier to keep coming. You know, it's not about the money or how much time you're putting in. It's, it gives, it gives your, your work value and you know, deeper meaning. Yeah, I can jump off of that. I also feel like the nonprofit sector is so dynamic, right? Like small organizations to giant organizations, it's totally different what you could be doing. So there's a ton of flexibility. And I love that nonprofits, in my experience, have been really scrappy. And so you get to be involved in a ton of things. And um, frankly, in New York, there are a lot of jobs. So it's not hard if your organization isn't working out to go work at another nonprofit. And I think we are lucky in that way. I don't think all of you know people around the country have that same breadth of opportunity that we do, but it's just another dimension of it. 
for me, it's really tied to, I think, my personal story and my family story in many ways and tied with sort of my passion, right? So um, what moved me sort of through college and even through high school was that I, I knew I wanted to work in something that would have sort of impact with with my work every day and which sort of drew me towards politics that was my passion as well and i really thought that that's something where you can make a huge difference in big ways if you elect the candidate that you believe in they're going to have an impact in, in, in a sort of a massive way if you can influence a policy um and i think the same is true in the nonprofit space within the advocacy space which is where i work but what drew me to uh, not only impact but the mission is the fact that I'm an immigrant in this country. Uh, I have a personal sort of family history that's tied to that. Seeing the immigrant experience within my community and across the board, I really thought that the nonprofit space would tie both my passions in a very particular way. What I really appreciate about the work that I do is I feel like I get to see the impact right away. You know, I work with girls and supporting them to get to college and land jobs. And I actually was out to dinner with a few of the girls last night after we had all attended this women's panel and just the relationships that I'm able to create and with their families and like talking to their parents and then being like, oh my God, like, you know, she's 18 and she has an internship at this small PR firm and I never thought she would think about art direction, but now she is and she has lawyers in her life. Like, I still have those relationships and so that's really meaningful to me because I can see the impact right away. I don't have to hear about it secondhand. Yeah, that's great. And I love that we uh, all came kind of for different reasons into this space, but have fell in love with this space, regardless of all the nuances uh, that go on within the nonprofit world. And so let's let's flip it. So we've been talking a little bit about what drives us and our passion to be in the nonprofit world, but this podcast is to also be be real. Um, so let's just talk about a little bit of what your daily life is is like in the nonprofit world. Um, what are some of the, the challenges that you have and where are some of the, the biggest rewards that you get from doing this work? Someone mentioned the word scrappy earlier. <laughs> and I think that captures so much. I've had the pleasure of uh, working sort of between New York and D.C. a lot, of meeting lots of founders, lots of very large nonprofits, much smaller nonprofits. I have personal relationships with people who work in, in, you know, the hospital side of nonprofits, which is a whole other world and so much money and so many resources. And I think scrappiness is a part of all of that. And there's the upsides and the downsides to scrappiness. For me personally, something that draws me to it is that I had, I think, a level of access and a seat at the table at an early point in my career uh, where I don't think I would have had necessarily in maybe in, in the for-profit world in the, in the same exact way, specifically on this sort of outward-facing role that sort of advocacy or politics can tend to be. But the downside of the scrappiness, I think, is that it's just figuring out how to match sort of the best practices of the corporate world and the resources of the corporate world with, within this context uh, in, in the nonprofit space and sort of where there's a gap there, you just make up for it in will, passion, creativity, and all these other ways. But I'm not sure it's done in a succinct way all, always. And I think figuring out how to better do that is I tend to think of things generationally to some extent. And I, and I, and I sort of seen that. I've seen several generations of sort of founders and, and the second generations that have come on 
and they all have a different approach and it, it seems sort of generational in some aspects and I, I'm excited to see our generation, presumably everyone here is sort of uh, millennials and how we're going to take on that challenge and how we're going to sort of build that, that bridge, specifically as like the tech world has such an influence in our lives and startup culture and all these podcasts and we're often reading and thinking about these things. So that the future of Scrappy within nonprofits, I think, is exciting. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, I love so much of what you said. And I agree. I, I um, definitely feel like I've had a seat at the table and access and just the opportunity to create and fail in a way that I've learned so much, in a way that I think if I was working in the for-profit world, um, I wouldn't have the opportunity to recover as quickly or take lessons away, but it more would be like, you failed, it's over. And I think in ways um, that I've maybe failed or not, you know, excelled in the way that I originally envisioned um, has always been beneficial. As it relates to the scrappy piece, I think one of the challenges is recognizing that you're all in and happy to figure it out. And if you have to like be in Queens at, you know, one o'clock in the morning to get supplies, to get to the conference, to whatever, like with your mom, you know, like <laughs> figuring it out like that, you know, there's this resilience that's built. It's challenging though, I think, when you recognize that that stops at a certain level and um, you look to leadership and there's not that same tenacity and energy. And so it's kind of like, well, okay. Um, that can be a little bit challenging for me to witness. Um, they're, they're, there being a disconnect for other people um, when you when you go in with this idea that we're all in this and we're going to make it happen and then you see this real um, stark line of hierarchy um, that it, for me that can be a uh, jolting. Yeah, I'm going to jump on that. I think that visionary leadership in nonprofits is essential and I, I have definitely left a job because I felt like the leader of the organization didn't have a strong enough vision when I was hearing his conversations with board members or, you know, elsewhere. I just, I didn't buy it. And I was like, okay, I can't, I can't do this anymore because that's so important in the sector, especially. I also really liked, John, what you were saying about, um, but what I was kind of taking from it was how the nonprofit sector is a late adapter right? Like the corporate sector takes something and they do it for a really long time and then eventually like trickles down and we start doing that as well. And I do think that the field will become more professionalized and hopefully more efficient with a new generation. There are so many more programs to study this in school. And I think we're all connecting so much more because of technology that we couldn't have done, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. So I have a lot of hope for the nonprofit sector, but there are certainly challenges. I also hope the duplication of services goes down as well. Mm -hmm. The IRS yes. like, we'll let anyone become a nonprofit. <laughs> Literally, they do not check at all. And it's a problem that hopefully, like if you look at, at the number of nonprofits over the past few decades, it's just skyrocketed. Um, and it makes sense. I had a professor, Art Taylor, explain this to me. He was like, listen, they're the internal revenue service, nonprofits, do not create revenue. So why are they going to add more people? Like they are just not caring what we do. Mm -hmm. yeah. and you just said something very, I recently was uh, listening to a panel and someone, 
I think we're all going to have to deal with that in, in, in the future, which is there is duplication of services, but the reality of that is a, a massive sort of merging of many nonprofits mm -hmm. together. And um, I think some of the scrappiness and when you talk about uh, really working well with particular populations and communities, how does that get lost in the fold within the context of those, of those merges? I think within the medical space, a lot of that is happening now where they're trying to figure out, you know, uh, quality of care within the context of all these different service providers out there. And um, it, it, it will be challenging. And another thing that I loved is, is you know, we're talking about some of the challenges of nonprofit. And I think some of that is within the hiring process, maybe. Um, I think a lot of us have had very unique experiences in how we got to these jobs. And it, it, it'll be fascinating to see how we can sort of streamline that down the road as well. And visionary leadership is so crucial. I, I've, I've heard so many personal stories of people saying, I ended up here because I saw this person speak, I heard this person speak. I think uh, many of the nonprofits represented in the, here today, I think, have, have had that um, in some of the challenges of sort of creating those new leaders in the future, especially as these new fields, I think, I don't know if there's a brain drain necessarily in nonprofits. I think we have a great example here of someone who made the leap the other way around. But I think as you get to the middle career of your life and you see other possibilities out there and you come across frustrations and it's like, how, how do you sort of fill that? And um, you need to have motivating sort of inspirational leadership to, to maintain that. Um, so it would be exciting to see. Amaris, I'm going to uh, call you out on this with uh, what John was just talking about with the, the hiring process with nonprofit. And I know that you had a pretty interesting um, experience trying to come from the for-profit world into the nonprofit world and was wondering if you would like to talk a little bit about your experiences with that. Definitely. Um, it was a real challenge. Uh, it was, uh, it's just, it's, it's a little funny. Both Victoria and John were just talking about how there's the the nonprofit world is scrappy and they are a late adapter. So I definitely saw a lot of those things coming from the corporate world where we had a ton of support staff. Um, it was a lot more clearly defined. Our data systems are very organized and up to date. Um, our materials are just, we have like a whole production team for any of our recruiting materials, everything else. And so for me, it was really interesting making that transition. And it was something I'd wanted to do for so long. But to, to your point, it was so hard for me to get someone to give me a chance. I remember being at the firm and uh, I knew that I'd wanted to, to make the change and I'd been talking to people and uh, you know, in different, in different spheres in the impact world, whether it's you know, corporate philanthropy or nonprofits or foundations. And I found that my resume to outsiders just said, lawyer, lawyer, lawyer. <laughs> Uh, no nonprofit experience other than just, you know, I did some stuff as a volunteer and on the side, but there was no career, paid work, nonprofit experience. And so therefore I was under uh, underqualified for any of the jobs in their mind and uh, overqualified for anything entry level. I remember I was interviewing for a job right before I finally just said quit and then went backpacking. It was for a, uh, you know, temp job. And I was literally begging them, please, will you let me prove myself? And they said, you know, honestly, you're you're going to get bored. You're too senior at the bank that if you were to take this job at this other company at an entry level role, you you would get bored and you'd leave. And I'd say, look, I just 
need to get some experience so that someone will take me seriously, so that someone will give me a chance. And it was something that when I, even when I came back and I was recruiting and networking and trying to make the transition and talking to folks in the, the sphere, I'd say, how can I make this change? I really want to do this. I think a lot of the skills that you learn as a lawyer are applicable to the nonprofit world. And even more so now that I have made that change, a lot of not just the hard skills, but a lot of the soft skills that you learn from working at a big law firm with crazy hours and demanding schedule and juggling a million things and not letting any of that stress you out. Um, I think a lot of that is really applicable to the nonprofit world and really beneficial to have in the nonprofit world. But nobody saw it that way. I had people tell me, oh, it's impossible. You're not going to be able to do this. You need to be a lawyer in-house at a nonprofit or foundation or something before you make the switch. You need to go to grad school. And it was really discouraging. And then I got very fortunate when somebody finally introduced me to who's my, the person who's now my current boss. And he also came from the finance world originally. And I think because of that, he was more likely to give me a chance. And he kind of, you know, I remember when we had coffee, it was a little bit confused. He seems, he's saying, you know, it's so short-sighted that no one would give you a chance, no one would hire you. But he called me two days later and basically said, you know, do you want to come work for us kind of thing. And um, I obviously said yes, since I work there now. <laughs> and I was just, and I've just been really, really grateful ever, ever since because I did, did want to give back and I did want to do something and I wanted anyone to just give me a chance to prove myself. But it was just funny to me that everyone, no one would let me take the entry level and no one would like let me take anything mid-level. And it's, I think it's unfortunate, but hopefully that changes over time. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm shocked that Me you too. had such a hard time. But now that I think about it, everyone I work with has come up in the nonprofit sector. So maybe <laughs> I'm just not in the position to be hiring and I don't see this. But yeah, that's really frustrating. It, that's also mind-boggling to me and I think speaks to a huge challenge in, in the nonprofit world and leadership and hiring and the way we approach all of this. It's funny because I've always had this notion that like, if I had to do it all over again, I want to get the private sector experience first and then the nonprofit experience in my career second, just to, because, again, having uh, a, a peer group that it works in different fields, I see so many upsides to this more structured sort of approach and uh, learning these, I think, some of these soft skills that, that you've learned that then are so applicable to the scrappiness, right? Um, especially as when you start transitioning and thinking about sort of the leadership level, uh, I think that's when all of that is really going to come into into play. Especially as, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get into this. At the end of the day, nonprofits need to stay afloat and need to fundraise, and chasing the money is a part of the nonprofit world. Different people are in different circumstances, meaning different organizations, but I think it really affects the whole sector, and I think mission creep and and sort of working towards grants when it's not maybe a natural fit because you, you sort of have to that's a separate issue but i think it's also tied into this other issue of the foundational work experience so it's so interesting to hear that you had a challenge in, in sort of coming in and it's like why what what, <laughs> what is the mindset behind that in the same way that I think if I was transitioning out, I would hope that ever, that someone would see the upsides of, of my resume and my experiences uh, and sort of the nuances of it. So that's really interesting. It's an, and not to, sorry to, to go on, but I'm also fascinated by 
again, everyone here came in such an untraditional way versus people in the for-profit sector, at least in my peer group, who were like, you know, there was rounds of interviews when they're in college. There was a path, a very, very set path versus, you know, literally recruiters would come on or, or, or there was a cycle, you know, you knew when this sort of cycle for consulting or whatever else was, was sort of hiring. Um, and I, I left college and was like, whoa, where do I get an internship? Maybe. Or, you know, I mean, politics is also a crazy world and that is very keen to, to nonprofits, but it needs to be formalized in some ways. What I would really like to get into next is my favorite part from Amaris's story is that she had a champion who believed in her and gave her a chance. And so what I would really love to hear is who are the people that you turn to? Who are your mentors? Who are your peers? That John, you mentioned peers in other sectors, but who in the nonprofit world really supports you and guides you and helps you make it through? Yeah, I up until maybe like six months ago, I kind of hated the mentor question. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. Do people really have mentors? Like, is this just something that we're all like pretending is a thing because I haven't found one? Like, people are nice to me, but like, how do I keep talking to them for more than like six months? Like, where do you find these people? So I found, <laughs> I found it through my graduate program, and I'm sure there are other ways to do it. Um, both peers and you know now former professors who I can go to with questions um, but it's challenging like the mystery of mentorship program I actually did <laughs> like a mentorship program through I, I won't name it but a nonprofit that's serving you know other people working in this sector and uh, the specific subsector in the arts and their mentorship program just flopped like I didn't end up getting one it didn't work out and so I have come to believe that it has to happen naturally. You can't really force someone to become your champion or your mentor. Um, yeah, so just like <laughs> fingers crossed and put yourself out there and hopefully it happens. I can jump in and as somebody that probably knows the least about nonprofits in this room, since I only am experienced with just the one that I work with, um, I, I feel like I've been very fortunate with finding not like official mentors, but the senior leadership at Catholic Charities has always been very supportive. I can give you one example. I don't work in development, and I don't think I should be transferred into the development department. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not my strong suit, but you know, in some of the things that I've had to do over the last couple months is learn how to do that. And you know, the senior leadership is always very generous. You know, I'll print out emails. I'll go to the director of development and be like, "Hey." what am I supposed to say? What do I do? Where did I mess up? You know, what can I do better next time? And I found that, and then I don't know again if this is the case everywhere, but at least where I've been, I've been very, very fortunate that people have a really open door policy. And I found that the leadership is really invested in people succeeding and answering questions. And, you know, there's no, I've never once felt like there's a dumb question that I could ask. You know, I'm very, Everyone knows that I didn't, you know, I came from the corporate world. And so um, I found that the, the champions, the best champions that I found are the ones that are already at my at my work and that are the leadership. And that gives me kind of the, the to Victoria's point where you're talking about having leadership that you are mm -hmm. excited about and having leaders that I'm excited about who I think are incredibly smart, who are also willing to teach me has been probably the biggest plus um, that I've had when I've made this switch. 
And I, I don't want to focus the, the mentorship and champions on those that are higher up in their careers. I mean, that, that's great to have those connections and to, to help you grow and to bounce ideas off of. But I think it's also really important in the nonprofit space to recognize your fellow peers uh, and coworkers that are going through this with you and are also your champions that you can lean on, that are cheerleading, and are also somebody that can lend you an ear when you just need to vent. So happy to hear about that too, of how you've leaned on your fellow colleagues uh, to really support in your career in the nonprofit space as well. Um, I, I'd be happy to, to start that. I, I think uh, to, to the champion uh, aspect of it, I think that there's this uniqueness in the nonprofit world because there's it's again I don't I don't have experience outside of it in, in consulting sort of politics but it's not competitive within so uh, within other organizations I should say so I've had the the pleasure of having several mentors in other industries that I've met because we've partnered with them. So a donor, a, a corporation that is a donor that has we, the, the person I'd worked with there, sometimes it's, leader, it's people who are relatively senior, and you really have access to them in a particular sort of way that I don't think people within their organizations actually do because of the hierarchical nature maybe of some of these industries. Um, but because you have this sort of more nuanced sort of loose relationship, obviously depending, there are very formal uh, donor to nonprofit relationships, but I've been fortunate in, in having access to all of these industries, and it's really shaped my thinking and thinking about you know the different industries that I've been a part of. Um, that's been fascinating, uh, and and you cannot work in a nonprofit if you don't have a peer group to lean on. I think that's just a fact. It's with you know again, scrappiness, challenges, all those things, the ebbs and flows. Uh, Anna Sophia, I think, can relate to this. We were, she often uh, lent me a year, uh, a year uh, when when things got tough, and just having those people who can really relate to you uh, and to your specific challenges and, and understanding the larger industry and being very ambitious as well. Um, it, it, that's you really need that sort of to to, to stay sane, um, and and I hope everyone else in other industries have that. But I think that's one of like the shining aspects of the nonprofit world from my experience. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I think um, definitely I found that former colleagues um, tend to be like the ride or dies because they get what has happened at your organization um, and absolutely the piece around it not being competitive in the same way um, I think really helps for everyone to kind of be on this level, level playing field and be transparent. Um, I'd also say, I think, going back to that access piece, like I've had board members um, at this organization and ones that I've worked with before who have been incredible champions, and I just think it's the nature of the kind of position that I'm in that allows those relationships um, to grow and build, and I recognize that it's it's a real privilege and gift. As you, as you said that, it made me, I just want to, there is a negative that I think that needs to point it out within the mentor aspect of the nonprofit world, and maybe just as bridges other industries as well. But it just seems that mentors are, look at mentees who are like them, and I think that gets to the diversity question within the nonprofit world. Uh, and it's so interesting because there's so many organizations that are literally trying to solve this problem as what they do, but then there's this internal problem that I'm not sure as a sector, it's dealt with very well. 
And I've, I've been very fortunate, I think, in various ways that I found people who've taken me on at in really several people, and I'm extremely fortunate. I think it broke the mold in that way. But I've also seen people around me that have not gotten the same attention and the same level of mentorship. And I'm, this is my personal opinion, but to me it seems because there's these sort of particular backgrounds that everyone in leadership tends to have, and it doesn't necessarily translate. I don't know if it's a person. I mean, we're all people, right? And I think we're going to uh, we're going to see someone, a younger version of ourselves in some way, and are going to want to sort of uh, take them under their wing. But um, I think that's a challenge that, that needs to be addressed in, in a holistic way, or at least talked about a little bit more, um, because it, it, it does edge in hypocrisy. And I don't, I'm not speaking, I think, from my organization, but I think just broadly speaking, um, it, it just, we can't, provide services but not have the same internal outlook to our own staff. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. I hadn't really thought of that, but it did resonate with me and I do think it's something that should be talked about more. I haven't heard that, um, you know, I feel like I have a real ear to the ground in the nonprofit field. I'm always trying to hear what people are talking about and that I haven't seen that bubble up yet. So thanks for sharing. I think that I think that something that also comes up in that is um, like this idea that folks really don't have time in in the nonprofit world because it's so scrappy and everyone's um, juggling so many things that to to have like a mentoring relationship with senior leadership within your organization does tend to be challenging. I found because everyone's doing a million things, so it is easier to build relationships with folks outside who are maybe just volunteering or on the board or a, a funder or whatever. Um, I think that tends to be a piece too that um, makes it challenging. Agreed. Uh, and you can be lucky. The organization that I'm currently at, uh, we actually have an internal mentorship program, which is great. Um, and as uh, Ana Sofia's program or uh, work as well, you know, and, and it's interesting and it's nice to have somebody to bounce career ideas off of. But I also think that um, I'm in a, in a unique space and so is Anna, where um, our my nonprofit is uh, kind of in the middle of a nonprofit and a for-profit space. We work within the financial industry, so a lot of uh, our mannerisms can mirror more of a corporate style. Um, and Anna is currently at a for-profit corporation that works with nonprofits. Um, so I don't necessarily know if the mentorship is the the nonprofit mentorship and really has that that focus on um, what this makes this industry so unique. But it's still nice just to have a organization that sees the importance in offering mentorship mentorship internally. So we do want to talk a little bit more so about um, how you personally deal with all of this scrappiness as well. <laughs> um, so we are in a, a world that is known for ambitious working, long hours, multiple hats, juggling a lot. How are you taking care of yourself uh, through all of this as well? You guys talked about peers and the importance of having relationships within the office. I think that's key. I've certainly relied on on those around me who sort of understand the challenges that I'm currently going through best in a way that maybe even a significant other can or a very close friend that works in a different industry. I also rely heavily on the mission aspect. I in in I think when it when things really get tough, 
you can, and, and if, well, I, I'll put it in two ways. One, it is definitely Domitian in the way that I see how this is, this, I, I can see the impact, I can see how things work, I can see how this has given me a platform to do what I've always wanted to do in a very particular way. Um, and, and the other aspect is I think it's important to take a step back and, uh, and I think we have a great example here of someone who switched careers um, and, and the, the sort of how important it is to be able to follow your passion but also be able to achieve within your career and have that. So what, what has kept me going is I think the scrappiness and the access uh, that the nonprofit world has afforded me from an early stage in my life where I, I don't know if I would have had that elsewhere. So it's, it's sort of a nice reminder always to be like, okay, there's unique opportunities here that comes with the unique challenges as well. That's how I tend to balance it. I, I think in time have been really relentless about my time and creating boundaries between um, the work, which I feel like is extra challenging because it is so connect. I'm mission driven anyway. And so, so like catching up, you know, going to dinner with a mentee doesn't feel like an encroachment on time, but in terms of like my vacation time and like, you know, checking emails over the weekends and things and being responsive to things. Like when it's over, it is over for me. And when I'm <laughs> on, I'm on. And um, I actually just got back from vacation and I was so grateful because I found that I didn't, I wasn't like sad in returning to work. I was joyful because mm -hmm. I felt renewed and refreshed. And I think there's this belief that to show you're all in, you must always be on and always connected. And I found that actually being um, really tight about those boundaries creates this love for the work and feeling renewed and refreshed in returning. So I'm, I'm kind of obsessive about my vacation time. Hollis, <laughs> I love that. That is exactly how I am. Mm -hmm. I take my vacation time and honestly, like when it's, you know, five, a little after five, I leave. Yeah. And if no one else is left first, whatever. I have a life and I'm going to be better on the job if you let me go live my life. Uh, I remember, I love this story. So my very first internship was at Jacob's Pillow Dance Festival, which is the most amazing place in the entire world. Love it. It was literally in a wood, in like the woods. woods yeah. yeah. So um, I, when I started as an intern, it's my first experience in the nonprofit sector and like business world or anything. I... I remember showing up and I had no idea of like what even the hours were. Like I just worked and worked and worked and I would get so stressed out. And I remember one day I'm like kind of frantically going around and one of the business managers, he was like, Victoria, what's going on? You want to go, you know, take a walk? Like it's so nice out. And I was like, oh, I, I can. I have so much to do. And he was like, listen, there's always going to be more to do. You should just go take a walk and mm -hmm. like let your life go on it's okay and like what we're doing is so important and the mission does fuel us but you know sometimes like it's not open heart surgery like you can leave it and knowing how to balance that is really important so i commend you and i i'm on the same wavelength yeah i just want to add i um i have a friend who works in pr and she says all the time like i have to remind my colleagues we work in PR, not the ER. Yeah. We've got to go. And I really feel like that. Like, you know, if you didn't apply to college, girl, you didn't apply. So, you know, me taking this time or taking this walk or lunch break is not going to stop anything. And so um, just remembering that my role is important, but not the center of the universe. Yes. Yeah.
I'm laughing because I think you can take the corporate lawyer out of the corporate world, but you can't take that out of me. So I, I don't even know what a nine to five is. I'm not even sure what a lunch break is. Uh, and I just, it's a, yeah, I, I've, the biggest self care that I did for me was to take this job. So taking this job is so fulfilling that I've never once felt stressed out. Mm. I've never once felt overwhelmed. Sometimes I wish maybe I didn't have to work as many nights. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, especially when we're in busy season, I'll have to be working nights like four to five nights. Sometimes we've got weekend work, but at the end of the day, I've never once felt overwhelmed. There's like a million people emailing you, a million people asking for things. This is going on. That's going on. You've got 10 million projects. You've got a board report, this report, a committee report. But I, I really, really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not unhappy Sunday nights. I'm not unhappy coming back from vacation. Um, I do take my vacation religiously. Yeah. <laughs> I used to do that even when I was at the firm. I would take all of my vacation days. But I honestly, as cheesy as it sounds, just switching, this, switching jobs and doing something that I actively enjoy doing was the biggest self-care that I did. So I don't ever feel like I need to get away from this because for the most part, doing this is getting away from what I felt like I was missing before. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I know that sounds a little cheesy, but. <laughs> no, that's good. Getting into, and I think Amrith, you might have a, a really good point of view on this, but just how switching from the corporate coming into the nonprofit world, how has that changed your point of view on what's going on in society uh, and our, our world? And I know that um, all of us here working in a mission-based organization, how has your mission uh, and the organizations that you've been involved with kind of changed your points of views or uh, beliefs as well? So I'll, I'll jump in on that question. Uh, I think a few things in my mindset have probably changed. I think I've realized there's a lot more gray in this world. Um, it's, it's, things are a lot more nuanced. Every issue, every social problem in the world is way more nuanced than maybe I'd originally thought. You know, coming from the corporate world, maybe you're a little bit removed. And especially, you know, going, you know, if you're at a good university, a good law school, you're kind of removed from a lot of the issues that people face in society. And I think Catholic Charities has been really good for me in that I've gotten a lot more exposure to people who've had different life paths and different life stories. And it's it has changed my viewpoint a lot in realizing that what we're doing is it's it's a it's a really it's a really tough task mm -hmm. and there's no one way to do it it's very difficult to figure out what the best way is to do it and I guess the other thing that I've realized is going back to the scrappy point it's there's just not enough funding there's not enough mm -hmm. staff mm -hmm. it's just really difficult to accomplish the tasks that all of our groups are trying to to focus on and I think I just generally just have a greater appreciation for how difficult the task at hand is mm -hmm. Um, so we're going to wrap up, and I just want to open up the floor to um, our panel if you have any last words of wisdom uh, for our peers, for those that are listening, um, or maybe there was something that somebody else spoke to that you would like to call them out and ask them to dig a little bit deeper into it. I just want to say thank you guys for hosting us on this podcast, and I'm excited to just hear more about what others in the nonprofit sector are doing. I mean, I've only been in this world for a little over a year. And one of the things that the three other panelists mentioned is having 
a really good set of peer groups and others that they know in the nonprofit sphere, sphere, not necessarily just at their organization, but outside as well. And for me personally, that's something that I don't have a lot of exposure to, something that I haven't gotten experience much of yet. And so I'm hoping and excited to see where this podcast goes so I can get more plugged into the communi- community generally. Yeah, I think this has been wonderful. And I love that we all come from different backgrounds. We didn't really get into the day-to-day of what we're doing so much. Um, I feel like we've just scratched the surface. Um, But yeah, I think that peer groups are so important. And other people who work in the nonprofit space but maybe aren't doing fundraising if you're a fundraiser or aren't in social services if you're in social services, just getting a little bit outside of your bubble is really amazing. So I commend Ana Sophie and Brianna for bringing us all together to have this conversation. Um, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to share and also connect and hear um, what everyone's doing. And um, I do think that when you're, you know, toiling day to day and you're kind of in your um, in your bubble, it's easy to sometimes get a little jaded. And so I, I feel so full right now um, to recognize that there are so many people around me who are also doing the same thing and passionate. Um, yeah, so I, I'm really grateful for sharing this morning with you all. Um, I want to echo that. I think what you guys are doing here is so important and so needed in our sector specifically. I'm just so tired of hearing about happy hours of different industries are getting invited <laughs> to happy hours of industry, you know. I have some friends who work in, in the music industry, for example, and they do all these amazing rooftop happy hours and they meet so many people. And I meet those people too, going to them, but they can't help me with my, my work. And it's like, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't there podcasts about leadership within the nonprofit space? Why aren't there podcasts or talks amongst our peer groups or those maybe mid-careers or people starting out? I think that there's a whole generation of people who would love to get into the nonprofit space, but having heard the voices, having learned the pathways, I think we're all examples of such diverse different ways into getting at this. Um, and I think things like this will really open it up. Um, again, I, I always think about the, the tech space because there's just so much. They love talking about themselves and their industry <laughs> and how they're going to change the world. And I think that has an effect on our society and in in, in how people very, you know, capable, you know, kids coming out of college uh, see how to affect social change within the world. Mm-hmm. And more and more, it's, it tends to be, to be going in different directions. And I think that's good overall because that they create great platforms that affects us all. But um, we need to do a little bit of fighting back and in, in getting our voices and our stories out there to sort of bring in uh, and continue to bring in that talent our, our way as well, as we've seen for so many different generations. Yeah, great, great. Thank you all so much. This was a really interesting conversation. Uh, and to Victoria's point, I do think that we are just scratching the surface. So for our listeners out there, please continue to listen to our podcast as we will be taking individual topics uh, within the nonprofit world uh, that are of, are of interest um, and digging in deeper. Um, and we would also like to hear from you. What are some of the topics that you would like us to dig into a bit deeper and to bring voices to, especially those of the young professionals working in this space? Uh, so find us on Twitter uh, or find us on Facebook. We are the NP Collective Pod, and we look forward to continuing to bring voices together.
Hi, this is Rick Arrowood from Northeastern University. Join me on an upcoming nonprofit collective podcast where we bring together voices to explore and inspire the nonprofit world.